Ladies and gentlemen, you're tuned in to the second AfterBuzz TV After Show for Lady Dynamite. Today we're covering episodes three and four, so stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. All right. You guys know why I picked this one? Why, Jeff? Episode three was all about race. <laughs> and I'm a little worried. Do you guys think we're even allowed to talk about episode three no. being an all Caucasian panel? Skip yeah. this one. I know. We I have to wa- keep it light. Hey, yeah, yeah. we're why keep it light. Keep it light, right? I was watching this the whole time thinking, like, oh my gosh, are four white people even allowed to But you know what? Because Maria did it, mm-hmm. and because the whole episode is kind of about whether or not you're allowed to, I feel like we're fine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna say yes. We're gonna do it either way. So I, yeah. What's I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the um, cantankerous this whole episode and argue. No, we should. We should not. Is my mic on? Are you gonna be the Is my mic on? I think yeah. you're good. I'm okay, here. Right so okay. good. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for tuning in again. This is the AfterBuzz TV After Show for Lady Dynamite. In case you guys don't remember, I'm Jeff Graham. I'm leading the panel this season. You guys can find me on Twitter at Jeffrey C Graham. Thanks for tuning in once again. I am Tamara Brown. You can find me on Twitter at Brown Tamara or on Instagram at Tamara underscore blue or on Snapchat at Hey Tamara because I can't just have an even playing field with all easy (laughs) handles that are easy to remember. That's fine. I'm Kelsey Hightower and I'm keeping it simple. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at Kelsey Hightower. I'm very simple. I'm Lisa Mason Lee and you can find me everywhere at Lisa Mason Lee. So, we're in it. We're four episodes in now. I want to get you guys' overall thoughts just about the show. Not necessarily specifics, but just kind of where we're going, how we felt about these two episodes in general. I feel like the pacing is a little bit slower, which I'm enjoying. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just the fact that like we're getting, we're getting used to the cut-betweens, but there weren't... They weren't changing times as often, so it was. Um, it seemed it seemed a little bit more linear and easier to follow, mm-hmm. a little bit slower paced. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mm-hmm. like that a lot. Well yeah, I felt <laughs> a lot better about these episodes than I did the very first episode, which I thought was like all over the place. But we're getting the pattern, and mm-hmm. we're kind of seeing what she's doing, and we're kind of getting used to those cuts and stuff like that. So I'm excited. I, I really loved these last two episodes. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah. Any thoughts, Lisa, on these two in general that hasn't been said yet? or? Uh, yeah, I just think they're developing nicely and they're really fun and the writing is getting a little more raunchy and mm-hmm. totally interesting. <laughs> Definitely so, yeah. raunchier. Especially, I'll be excited to talk about this Brandon Routh episode yeah, and some yeah. of those jokes, but I was laughing, so that's all that counts, right? Yep. Um, so yeah, this first episode, Kelsey, last week you kind of predicted that each of these episodes is going to kind of tackle a theme or an idea. Yes. And you definitely predicted correctly, at least so far. Good job. Yeah, good job. So smart. No, I just, I love that part of it. And I was just kind of like, my secret was like, I just hope they keep doing that. Mm -hmm. And they are, It is good. It's good because the show is so cerebral and crazy and brainy that it feels like at least addressing a topic is what's going to keep it grounded. Mm -hmm. It's very South Park, which makes sense because Pam Brady's on the team. That's kind of how that show handles their episodes. Um, so this episode three, Kyle McCulloch wrote the third episode, and he was a South Park writer too. Oh, was he? That yeah, makes that, a lot yeah. of sense. Um, well, episode three, <laughs> we're talking about race. Um, this was a very, very interesting, complex meditation on kind of like white privilege and like mm-hmm. the white existential angst that people feel when they have to deal with racial issues, especially in TV. Yep. Especially in TV, and especially in comedy, yeah. uh, a lot because. Um, you know, there's this constant debate between things should be off limits 
you you should be able to say anything that you want versus no you need to be sensitive to something that somebody doesn't want to hear and i'm hearing that debate is like my constantly in my facebook feed and it's mm-hmm. always uh the the crowd that's anti-pc versus the one that's like sympathetic to all points of view which is the way that i believe it should be but like this is such a topical like this episode was so relatable to me yeah yeah what do you guys think on the i mean you guys like comedy do you think there is a line in comedy what do you think should there be rules what are you guys thoughts on that I think that's what comedy is for, is to break the rules. Mm-hmm. Is I think that's kind of an outlet to look at what we do or what's wrong with our society or what we're not including and kind of you know, talk about that and break the rules for that. Right. So and I think that's what she's doing. So if there's like a problem, she's like addressing it head first. Yeah. Yeah, what I liked was um I feel like what seems true about comedy is like anything can be said, just be prepared. If it's done the right way. If it's done the right way. True. And of course, um, this show is doing it in such an intelligent way. And I feel like, you know, if you're a comedian, nothing's off limits. Just be prepared to handle whatever. My personal opinion on the matter is that because every single comedian that I know that's just like, everybody, nothing's off limits. You mm-hmm. say what you want. They say that until somebody says the buzzword that uh is personally affects you yeah. like everybody's mm. like no nothing's off limits right. say everybody say whatever they should say until the thing that strikes a chord with your personal history so that being said my opinion is you need to be sensitive to when somebody tells you that something is offensive to them right absolutely um, on that note, let's talk about this episode, <laughs> yeah. White Trash. Diving in. <laughs> just got, like, there was like a tumbleweed that blew by as I, I was know. going on that little... Sorry. Um, so, Gabriel's back, which is so much fun. That is um, fun. I like him. I like him, too. He's a great... This guy, Craig David, is a really good actor. He's He was on this show, The Messengers. He's, he's worked. I'd love to see him... I'd love to see him more, because I feel like he's a smart actor. Mm-hmm. Did you guys pick yeah. up on that? Like, I feel like playing yeah. a scene like this where, like, because he kind of was joking about race, but then pulling it back and being like, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but am I kidding? Like, I feel like he played that really. What did you that. What did you guys think of this? That this was, whole opening. Yeah, that was interesting how they brought him in for the intro. Uh-huh. She bumps into him. He's the pizza delivery guy. Yeah. He's the Uber driver. He's at doggy daycare <laughs> at the pool. And then he, he twists the whole thing around and, and makes her feel like she's a racist. I know. This was so funny because I couldn't even read if he was serious or kidding. Right. And we've all been in that position before where we don't necessarily know. So this was a really strong cold open. And to me, the job of a cold open in a comedy is either to stand completely alone and work as its own little sketch or to really effectively introduce the themes of the episode. Mm-hmm. And I thought this cold open really did a good job of letting us know we're diving head on into some racial issues here. So then we're back. Um, again, we write in the manager's office, and it's and it's not even like racial issues. It's like reaction to racial yeah. issues is what is more so like what it's right. about, like how to handle yeah reaction. Yeah, just like how to even begin to navigate that topic in the world of comedy. Yeah. Um, so we go right into Bruce's office, and he can tell right away that something's up, and we kind of start to feel Maria's existential kind of white guilt over who she is, what she's doing. <laughs> And he suggests this group. It's a racial anxiety support group called <laughs> <laughs> called LA Pure, which is People United for Racial Equality. And the best thing is we we dive into this group and everyone's white. <laughs> which was just so funny. So we go and there's this this 
we're getting ahead, but this might have been my favorite joke. She's talking about this new show, because Bruce is introducing this show. It's called White Trash. It's this multicam sitcom about two African-American actors who are garbage people. And Maria brings us up in the meeting, and they say, um, we don't call them garbage people anymore. <laughs> Which was so funny. Maria goes, what do you mean? And he goes, you know, we, we just don't call them anymore. She goes, did we ever call them that? And she goes, well, just by being white, you're essentially calling them that. So we're kind yeah. of, South Park addressed this idea last season, and it's the idea of, like, the political correctness, the social justice warriors, mm -hmm. what do we do? And um, so this is kind of the frame that we're set. And then we immediately dive into the past, and we see her in a similar group, and they're talking about this commercial, and we see this Rachel Dolezal character. There she is. What did you guys think of this? How did you guys react? <laughs> I was confused because... Um, I was just like, so the the leader of the group is now in blackface, which is about the most racially well, insensitive thing I to do. I, I was confused what was happening. Right. Well, I mean, the joke is because Rachel Dozel was the head of a black right. association. Now okay. she's the head of a white one. It's <laughs> right. just the play yeah. on it. It's just genius. So that genius. That made me laugh so Wait, hard. Wait, was that the real? No. That wasn't the real Rachel Dolezal playing. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yeah, it yeah. looked just like her, though. Okay, yeah. Whoever they found, I was very impressed. Um, but she's in this meeting, and she's talking about she has this opportunity for this superstore, this big commercial for a superstore called Checklist. Mm -hmm. And um, our producer, Mark, is in the booth. I think he's queuing up the commercial. This is, of course, a callback to her Target commercials. Mm -hmm. Had you guys seen these before? Yeah. Yes, loved them. Um, so I think while Mark is working on that, this is another example of how I love so much this Oh, perfect. I think we're ready to go. If you want to cue that commercial, yeah. Mark, we're ready to go. I'm doing a bit of light calisthenics to practice for the big Target two-day sale next Friday morning. Hot toys, flat TVs, hot, flat. That's how you win Christmas. Boom, boom, boom. Looking good, Sid. Starts Friday, November 27th at 5 a.m. <laughs> okay, as fans of Maria Bamford, how do you guys personally feel about this commercial? Do you guys think she sold out? No. Not at all. What, what do you guys think? It's think? Target. She probably got paid a ton. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's still comedy. Like, it's still yeah, her. She still got to be herself. Yeah. It's, it's comedy, it's out. exposure, and there's not a single comedian that would not take uh, a Target uh, deal. Or any, you know, comedians are actors too. So right. it's like, yeah. if somebody's going to offer you a, a spot, you're going to take it. The funny thing is, in retrospect, I wonder how she feels about that commercial. Because it seemed like she wanted to take it back. She almost, in the same way that, you know, authors who maybe have a decision they've regretted will try to take that back by mm -hmm. bringing it back into their art. Do you guys feel like she might have been doing that with this episode? What, how did you guys feel about this whole checklist commercial thing? And everyone's calling her a sellout. How did you guys interpret this? Well, how old is the commercial, first of all? 2010. Six years old. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Didn't really okay. Yeah. Well, and I think in the show, she was talking about how, like, when she was actually on set, she did it, and she was so excited, and then she looked to Bruce, and she was like, I did great, you know, and he was like, I don't know about that. So I think maybe she was excited about it. I, I mean, I don't know, but I could anticipate that she was kind of excited about doing the commercial, but maybe she got some feedback or pushback from other people, like mm -hmm. other comedians or maybe her manager or somebody else. Um, 
that maybe gave her a different opinion about it. I don't know. No, that's a great point. It could be that even though deep down she knew it was the right move for her career, right. other people projected insecurity onto her. And that seemed to be what the big theme of this episode mm -hmm. was. was yeah, it was know, a series. A really yeah. series, right? That's yeah. kind of what I started to notice. Mm -hmm. There is a format to this show, right? We're finally figuring out. It kind of seems like this episode is a fictionalized Maria Bamford dealing with her demons a little bit. And it seems like these three timelines kind of operate in specific ways, right? So flashback Maria, we kind of see how these insecurities showed up in the first place. Duluth Maria, we see her trying to deal with them and amidst her breakdown. And present Maria is just trying to deal with them and figure out how her new version is gonna handle them. So- yeah, well said. This commercial's hilarious. Um, we find out that she's getting paid $150,000 to do the <laughs> campaign. Um, and we also see so we're in Karen's office. In the one, one interesting point, real <laughs> yeah. quick. Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 please. Maria Bamford is in interviews and stuff. She's weirdly known for not being at all shy about talking about money. Like, um, she recently uh, did an, an interview where she was interviewing uh, another comedian. Um, I think it was I think it was Byron Barrows and. Um, uh, no, I'm sorry, it was Baron Vaughn. Uh, both black comics, very funny. So is that racially insensitive, what I just said? I don't know. But, <laughs> I, think, um, I think you need to go. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, she in the interview was like, um, you know, oh, so what did you get paid for this? And he's like uncomfortable and she tells exactly what she made in the last year and what, how, you know, she very honestly says what she made in the last year and stuff like that. Like she's weirdly open Interesting. about what she gets paid for things. Huh. Yeah. Well, that was funny because it definitely played into this episode. I'm glad you oh, brought yeah. that up. Yeah. Um, so we see her in Karen's office and Karen's like, you did so good in this commercial. We're going to make this a huge thing. Cradle the balls, stroke the shaft. <laughs> this was wild. I will say this is the first moment in the series where I personally felt like the comedy was played a little far. I didn't read this scene maybe quite. How did you guys feel about this whole cradle the ball, stroke the shaft serenade <laughs> that occurred in the office? But not you, Bruce. I know. I personally love the song. You loved it? Yeah. Very catchy. I'll give it that. It was. Yeah. It did take it, you know, a huge step forward from anything else we had seen. It'd been very, I don't, I don't know. It was very raunchy, you know. I guess so. I think I was. Of course, the show isn't really playing in any kind of conception of true reality. But I think I was brought a little bit out of the world of Maria's career. But I mean, Karen is crazy. Yeah, because Karen Grisham is the aggressive. Like she's. She's balls out. So like I feel like she would sing a you yeah. know, that's yeah. that's her mon that's her morning mantra. Right. Cradle the balls. <laughs> stroke the shaft. Totally. Um so because of the fact that she was the one that initiated yeah. it, like I didn't feel like it True. was over overtook it in a wrong direction or anything okay. like that. I don't know. Um it is interesting. This is the first clip that Netflix released of the show and I think people were like, Oh my gosh, awesome. what <laughs> what is this show? Yeah. Um, either way, it's hilarious because Maria's like, yeah, singing along. She's like, well, I just want to be a good person. And Karen says, you're going to be so effing rich that even if you're a bad person, you can just tell them to F right off. <laughs> so this is really clearly bringing, starting to initiate Maria's breakdown. Do you guys think Karen might have been part of the cause of Maria's breakdown here? I kind of feel like Karen specifically hmm. might be a catalyst in what drove Maria to back to Duluth. I could see that because she's such a powerhouse right. and, you know, 
being a agent, you have to really like push, push, push. Mm-hmm. And she's a tough woman. And if Maria is just going along like being a people pleaser, yeah. she's gonna fall into this kind of you know like okay, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm the little lamb, yeah. you know. And then she just gets pushed too far. Right. Well, what about Bruce? I mean, he's crying about his career a little bit. Yeah. Brit. I said Brit. <laughs> bit. And he's forcing Maria into taking jobs, you know, because he needs the money. And he's on Karen's team. He's like, we have to be in good standing mm-hmm. with Karen. Like, I don't, you can't get fired from her. Like, we can't let her drop you right. from, you know, being your talent manager, a- agent. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We're finally seeing the stage of what probably drove Maria to kind of have a breakdown. And it makes sense. You know what? Comics tend to be insecure people. She's a people pleaser. And if everyone's mm-hmm. forcing you to adopt some kind of voice, it can really kind of rip your brain apart. Yeah. Um, either way, we jump back into the present and we're on this set for this multicam white trash. <laughs> and this is a so show good. where um, some Maria Bamford and is it Mara? Mara Servino. Yeah, Mara yeah. Servino. Thank mm-hmm. you are these like neighbors and this whole scene just plays so uncomfortably and we don't know what to do here. What did you guys think of this show White Trash when we first hop on set? So funny, right? It just, yeah. it just so ridiculously campy. Like I know. there's not even a you're it's not even uh this show likes to draw parallels, but like it's not I mean, I wonder if did I wonder if she had a, a show in mind that this was supposed to be? It feels Is like an ABC like, family freeform multicam is she speaking? Yeah, like I'm trying to think of like what show um, is unabashedly horrible. Like, that, yeah. like right. uh, I don't. But but it's it's just to me it wasn't uh, recognizable that this mm-hmm. was supposed to be any specific show. Yeah, not necessarily. Yeah. I was just happy to see the Lucas Brothers. They're, They're very funny. So yeah. funny. I think my first encounter with them was Twenty Two Jump Street. I don't know if yes. you guys have seen them before. <laughs> Um, but they're so funny. It's, it's such a like Maria. It feels like such a singular voice. Yeah, and they're really fun to watch. Um, anyway, so <laughs> they're both so nervous talking to Maria <laughs> and Mara Trevino's character are so nervous talking to these guys. And it's just funny because you can feel their dread of like, mm-hmm. how do we handle this? What are the mm-hmm. rules? We're comedians. We're on this show called White Trash. Like, and they're just along for the ride, which I love. You know, these actors are like, this is a job. Yeah. And they're totally comfortable with it. So it's really, it's Maria who's projecting the discomfort on all of this. Either way, we get a preview of this show, and then we jump back and this was really interesting to me. I'm really interested to get your guys' thoughts on this. We're in the Duluth timeline, and we see Maria's dad in his cobbler shop. <laughs> this was crazy. You reacted yeah. right away, Tamara. How did you feel about this whole flashback? Well, first of all, the cobbler shop's name was Footsies, <laughs> uh, which which is hilarious because it's a bar in East LA, like kind of near where Maria lives. So I wondered oh. if she was always like, oh, Footsies would be a great name for this fake cobbler shop. <laughs> totally. But, um, uh, so yeah, that was funny. But then this uh, kid that was awful, um, was terrible kid, terrible. Yeah. yeah. And then the awful parents. I guess it was like presenting this like uh, she was raised with uh, because in in that scene, like the parents were once the once the um, the boys' parents came in in wheelchairs, and then her Maria's parents kind of like. Oh, we don't know how to. We're tiptoeing around the obvious of right. that these two people yeah. are in wheelchairs, like the same sort of uncomfortableness. So I was thinking, like, is is she trying? Is she trying to say that like she was raised with a like not knowing how to approach touchy subjects? Mm. Is that what it was? Ah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. that's a really. I hadn't thought of that, but maybe it was just. 
I grew up in the Midwest. I don't know where you where are you guys all from. Yeah, this is interesting. Midwest. Yeah. I'm from Indiana. Indiana. Same. I'm from Oklahoma. Do you guys feel like there is a sense of repressed, don't address the elephant in the room conditioning growing up in the Midwest a little bit? Sometimes, yeah, definitely. I definitely I for know. me, not for you as much. For me, I grew up in like a very white picket fence town. My parents mm-hmm. are pretty conservative. That's mm-hmm. the thing is like I was surrounded by you know white people, you right. know, and so you don't really get what you get in LA where there's a whole mix of people and you get to have those interactions and talk mm-hmm. about things. Where are you from? Like all that sort of stuff. It's just like, well, I'm from Oklahoma, small town. Right. Yeah. You're white so people. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's like you never really get probably like Maria do, doesn't really get to doesn't have, have experience. That interaction. Yeah. And then right. you come across somebody who's like in a wheelchair and you're like you don't know, right. you don't have your feet. And they're like, we have our feet. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it was so interesting. They really didn't know how to handle it because yeah. these were legitimately terrible people. It yeah. kind of was a return to the theme we saw where um, her boyfriend in episode two, the guy she's kind of seeing, this bisexual meth addict. Right. He's mm-hmm. not, he, you know what? She's trying to be sensitive because he's a bisexual meth addict, but he's really just he's a douchebag. Really yeah. He's just yeah. a right. person. So that's right. kind of, maybe this is something we'll see kind of return over and over again. Because yeah. it's a funny thing to present to someone with rampant anxiety mm-hmm. because it's like how do you for someone exactly. who's obsessed with people pleasing it's like it's a funny trope to it's, introduce it's yeah. uh, everything it's like for somebody with rampant anxiety these are all such nuanced <laughs> Uh, to uh, to worry about accidentally saying the wrong thing to somebody with in a wheelchair mm-hmm. is something that everybody to a certain degree can uh, knows what that feels like. Right. But mm-hmm. when you're riddled with anxiety, mm-hmm. that's just like off the charts, yeah. you know. So yeah. like uh, these the the things that each of these episodes are tackling are are perfect. It's perfect to to sort of let the viewer sympathize with Maria's plight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so then we jump back into the present, and we're back on the tra- the set of white trash. And Maria, in an attempt to be a hero and rescue these guys from this, you know, white oppression, helps recreate the show and abolish offensive stereotypes. So of course we see these characters once again, and they're just these two blonde bimbo <laughs> slut Terribly se- It goes from so being incredibly like- racist to incredibly sexist. <laughs> yes, and I love that the, the it turns to the like whole male production staff, and they're like, "Oh, that was so good, yeah, so, so funny, funny. Right. right on." Yeah. This is pretty brilliant. Yeah. I thought, what did you guys think of this being ladies on our panel? Well, not only did everybody like it, but it got completely picked up for like a full <laughs> season. season. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was almost this thing. This was so smart because it's like, you know what? If race isn't working, we know at the end of the day, always sex will sell. It's like, no matter what's happening on the show, just get some two blonde bimbo girls and we're going to have something going. Yeah, somebody will watch. Somebody will watch, yeah. (laughs) This is so funny. And I love that the show's still called White Trash. You know what I mean? And it makes sense. Yes, it makes sense both ways. That's what blew my mind is like, White Trash both ways works. So smart. So offensive. So funny. Um, Were you guys surprised by this? This, yes, this yeah. Trist. The turn. Yeah. I was not expecting them to come back Neither and have I. a whole different show and for it to like actually work. Um, it was very surprising and, and funny at the same time. Yeah. That's the other thing about the show. It's so hard to predict, at least from my standpoint. I'm like, it's just so unpredictable. That's why it's so fun. Yeah. yeah. This was such a good turn. I didn't see it coming. And, and the, the the fact that the, it's not even ever called out that it went from being racist to sexist. Like, the problem that the Lucas brothers have with it now is that, that now they don't have lines. Like, they don't have as much yeah, screen time. So it's like, you know... Nobody's uh, calling them sexist. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's. How it's, smart you know, to not address that. To you know what I mean? It, We're gonna yeah. make this about race. 
the sex the sexist issues in Hollywood are so rampant it doesn't even get addressed. Yeah, no. So funny, and I love this too. Maria brings it up, and she's like, "I was trying to help you guys. Like, well, now we don't have any lines." <laughs> And she's like, well, I didn't want you guys to get misrepresented. And here's what they say. They go, we don't want to represent anything. We're comedians. We're just trying to be funny. And she, and they're like, we sold this out. And she's like, no, I was trying to unsell you guys out. <laughs> this is just so smart. I love this. And it's true. I feel like this was a the theme of the episode. We're comedians. We're just trying to be funny. It's There's something about comedy, and this is what you're bringing up at the beginning, Tamara, where people expect you to be of like a political voice. They expect you to be a scholar. They expect you to be, you know what, if you have a TV show, people think that should be a college class. And comedians aren't necessarily trying to make a statement. They're trying to make people laugh. I felt like, to me, that was the theme of this episode. Or to say their own truth. Or to say their their truth. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. the point of comedy is to, you know, take a perspective on the world and, you know, talk about universal truths in your own way. And we'll talk about this with the second episode. But that's not going to be everyone's truth. And you know what? At the end of the day, people are just trying to laugh. Yeah. Um, Which this episode certainly made me laugh. So John Ridley shows up. Oh, man. This is <laughs> yes, so Yes, that great. was great. Not expecting that one at all. At you all, know. right? So I love that he did this, by the way. Yes. yes. Very cool of him. So cool of him. And, like, I love when we first see his name, his cryon says, um, yeah. Chiron. Chiron mm-hmm. says, yeah. John Ridley, screenwriter, t- 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He comes back later in the episode. It's John Ridley, story editor, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such a wonderfully self-deprecating line. And he kind of goes on this rant and he, he says, you know what, Maria, I don't think what you're trying to do is malicious. It's just recklessly ignorant. Yep. <laughs> and um, eventually he goes, you know what? You're fine. And you tried. <laughs> That's where we leave it. And then we finally get this whole other meta-layered thing where we're talking to Mara Servino. And she has all these layers. And then she flies away in this flying car. <laughs> How did you guys interpret this whole out of the episode? This was wild. It's just her acting was so layered. I know. And yeah. just so out of control. And it was like she was almost a superhuman actor that just jets off into what the a sky. Yes, a huge performance. And kind of at the end, she was like, I love her. Right before she flew away into the sky, she was like, um, who's to say what is real, Maria? I know. And then she's like, and I feel like that might be some like a great question for Maria that she's like asking herself too you know like mm-hmm. what is real like you know keep if you're white keep it light you know all that kind of stuff like mm-hmm. I feel like a whole theme of that is kind of like what am I projecting and what is actually real sort mm-hmm. of thing and what's being projected on me what am I interpreting yes, yes. Yeah. exactly and of course it's a meditation on the show right are we seeing Maria are we seeing Maria's character mm-hmm. are we seeing Maria's thoughts the show is just so cerebral but also so in your face, and it's it's just great. Yeah. It's, it's um, any last thoughts? Anything I didn't address on this episode that you guys want to talk about before we move on to episode four? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was debating on waiting until the very end for our predictions, but I do want to kind of point out with when she was in Duluth, um, it kind of picked up where we left off last time. Mm-hmm. So she's sitting there, and she was saying, um, she's saying she's, not as far ahead in her recovery as she thought she was, which is kind of where we left her on the stage when she clapped. So I'm wondering if we're going to keep seeing that with Duluth, if it's just going to kind of be like a timeline. Hmm. So I just noticed that in this episode, it's just she's sitting at the table in the kitchen and she's just like very bummed because Mm -hmm. she thought she was further in her recovery than she wasn't. And then it's like we picked up with that story with her father. So 
that was one little thing that I noticed. So w- the question you're asking is, are we going to see progression of her within the Duluth storyline or not? Yes, kind, kind of, of if that's going to be its own hmm. timeline, like overarched throughout the whole yeah. series. That it might be, because in episode four, we did maybe see some progress a little bit. That's a very interesting question I'll be interested to see. I know. Do we want to do favorite lines from this episode before we move on to episode four? Sure. Sure. All right. I'm going to have to stick with, I already said it, mm-hmm. um, but the line of Karen saying, you're going to be so effing rich, even if you're a bad person, you can tell them to F right off. Because <laughs> that's just torture for someone like Maria. That's good. Um, after she says, "If you're if you're white, keep it light," they've already been burdened enough with our shenanigans. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and then, that's pretty good. <laughs> and then also um, the uh, Maria's dad. <laughs> once once the kid, he kind of like gets some confidence in talking to the kid. He says something like, um, "My giant served in the navy, Dick." Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was really fun. That felt very justified for him to come out swinging with that line. It's great. Awesome. Okay, this is very me, so I love this. Um, I am only here for the craft service and the camaraderie. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I like when Maria said, Oh, my shopping molecules are vibrating. Yes. (laughs) This commercial was great. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, that's, we did it. I don't think we said anything too. We're not going to be on Gawker, hopefully. I hope not. No, no. We kept it white. Sorry, 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 not sorry. Sorry, we're white. We did good, kids. We did good. I know. All right, so episode four, Jack and Diane. Jack Um, and Diane. Let's talk about thoughts and reactions to this episode. I can start if you guys want. I thought sure. Brandon Routh was awesome. Yeah. I didn't yeah. I haven't seen him much. I saw his Superman and I thought it was fine, yeah. but he can do comedy. And I don't feel like this is this isn't your standard multicam. Like this a show like this demands I think really strong comedic chops to mm-hmm. kind of be along for the ride. And I thought he really handled it well. So what's mm-hmm. he from? So he was Superman in 2003. Oh, yeah. He was um Superman Returns? Was that the one? I'm not them. up to date with those. Um, and mm-hmm. that's what I remember him for. Or Man of Steel, I think is what it was called. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Yes, yes. Um, and I haven't really seen him, but I, it's interesting because he kind of got burned. And he had, you know what, he got replaced by Henry Cavill. And we haven't really, okay. I haven't seen Brandon Routh much, but I thought he was excellent as this guest star. I, yeah. I think I've always kind of thought of him as like a standard, generic, good-looking actor guy who like plays good-looking actor guy roles, mm-hmm. which he kind of played in this with a very yeah. nuanced twist, I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you guys think of the episode as a whole? Anything? Oh, so out? relatable. Yeah. <laughs> the, the work without jumping ahead, but like her in her cubicle uh, at the data entry job and like the funny guy in the oh office and yes. then everyone's like let's hear so we heard that you're a comedian <laughs> and she's like it's not she even says in her stand up she, do, she does a bit in uh, her old her old stand up special about how when they say um you just say something funny, and she's like it, that's not how it works it's not gonna translate <laughs> I'm not a monkey yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's just uh Oh God! And but not even in that office scene. Like there were, um, I mean, I have to think about it. But there's so many points throughout the episode where it was kind of uh, c- civilian comedy versus oh comedian comedy. Yeah, oh like... yeah, I mean the c word and like the that whole thing of him not ever understanding. <laughs> when it's ironically funny to uh-huh. use cunt and like not ever you know like he just doesn't get it and it was just kind of like you know a lot of times my it's like that with my boyfriend like he doesn't <laughs> is he not a comic does he not no. know when to say the oh word my he doesn't know well like you know a lot of times like he he doesn't uh 
know when I'm joking or not joking or something like that. It's it's just very relatable. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, British t- interpret that word differently. Yeah, they're why. fine. Yeah. They throw that word around like oh, it's yeah. the word tree. Like yeah. they just use oh, really? that. Yeah, I have some British friends who would call me that all the time, and I'd be like, "Whoa!" Right, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Thoughts on the episode, guys? Um, for me, I just liked hearing her. Like she talked about her voice a lot. She did the Diane yeah. voice, oh, yeah. and I just loved getting to see her voices because she did that and then she did the um, cartoon and so we just got to see like a, a range of her which I feel like we haven't we've like touched on mm-hmm. on the past episodes but we haven't really got to see so I really like and this that is part kind of your it. first exposure to Maria Bamford right yeah so you haven't really seen the voices so. no I've seen the target commercials yeah. and like a few things here and there but like it's fun to have someone on the panel who this is kind of their first I know I think it's good I'm yeah. excited I yeah it. I really like seeing her introvert extrovert kind of fighting each other and it's and interesting. And Diane how, yelling, extrovert! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like that's her, that other side of her that's trying to hide that introvert, that shy girl inside of her that doesn't know how to get along with people at a party. And I know a lot of people can relate to that. Mm-hmm. When you're going to a party and you're nervous to talk to people, then you become the super version of yourself. And yeah. that's who Diane is, and it's excellent. Gosh, yeah. so funny. I love she Diane. says, I'm terrible at parties, which I loved. Um, so we're at this party. She calls herself Diane Winterbottom Monte. Which is that was just, I wonder how many times it just kept on going, right? And they kept like adding. Yeah. That what a fun this would be a fun episode to be in that writer's room. Yeah. I was thinking so many opportunities to like dive into that persona. So many great lines. Yeah. And um, and Jack Tripper is his name. Again, just a little wink to yeah. anyone that loves old TV references. Oh my gosh. Which is Jack Tripper was the um uh on Three's Company. Mm-hmm. Uh that was um, now I'm blanking on the actor's name. Ah, who played Jack Tripper on Three's Company? John Ritter. John Ritter. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, Mark. You. Oh yeah. my God. Um, so funny. Um, and I just love this. is such a fun version of Maria. This might be my favorite voice that she does, and she kind of nails it. You think for someone yeah. who's so crippled by social anxiety to just so immediately enter this like Kennedy, like East Coast, like she's great. Yeah, she's so good at this role. Um, it's also interesting because we kind of learn about Bruce. We learn that, like, he's in a struggling marriage. What did you guys think of this whole Bruce thing? Well, last episode and this episode, it's just like they just keep pounding Bruce. And, and, like, he's just the, like, this poor, beaten up. I know. We, you know, like, how every person in his life just beats him up emotionally. You just want to cheer just for him after yeah. a while. It's just like, come on, Bruce, you I can know. do it. Um, Pick yourself up. Speaking of Mitchell Hurwitz, I kind of get Tobias Funke with him. Do you guys sense oh. as Arrested Development? Do you guys like Arrested Development? Yeah. He seems a little Tobias to me in the way that he's like probably gay, right? Or maybe not. I don't know, but he talk because he talks about this like male frat house he's living in. We, we'll get yeah. to that, but it just kind of <laughs> seems yeah. like in the same bald. way, right? In the yeah. same way, he's kind of this analytical guy who's maybe got one foot in the closet still. It just kind of is giving me Tobias a little bit. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. saw that, but um, anyway, so this is a, this conflict. The central conflict of this episode is introduced, and it's kind of a conventional sitcom plot, right? Where Maria is attracted to this guy, and she knows she can win him over by being this Maria Winterbottom Monte character. But she tries to come out and be like, no, 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 that's not really me. <laughs> she goes, I actually really enjoy gas station tuna fish sandwiches. <laughs> and that was such a funny way to kind of try to come out of the closet of who she really is. Yeah, yeah. But no one gets it. And right, this is such yeah. a smart twist. 
They think that Maria is a stand-up comic. Maria, uh, sorry, not Maria. Diane, Diane. Winterbottomonte. Mm-hmm. Right. And her character is the actual Maria Bamford. Yes. Yeah. What a smart twist. Um, and it's just so funny because it's playing into her neediness, you know what I mean, and her insecurities. And and this these episodes, we, um, both of these, we saw her do stand-up for the mm-hmm. first time when in the first episode, True. Patton's like, don't do stand-up in it. So, like, it's right. slowly working its way in. But what I love is it's that it not is. the conventional stand-up thing. Yeah. We still haven't really seen Maria do stand-up. Mm-hmm. We, like, we, it's not like it's Louis or Seinfeld where we just see him on stage. Yeah. It's, they're using it still as a way to highlight specific components of her character. Yeah. Which which is awesome. Um, <laughs> right, I might as well just say it now. I think my favorite joke happened here. Dagbar, Maria. So again, we had this <laughs> with the same structure, the format where it's Maria cold open, Bruce, and then her with her friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's talking about it. And she's like, you know, I'm going to come out and tell you guys what's happening. I just have this other character that's happening and I can't get out of it. And the girls are understanding. Like, you know what? No one's themselves in the first six years of dating. <laughs> that was a great I line. love that line. Yes. It's so true, right? And then she says, that's science. That's proven. And then, <laughs> right. And then um, Dagbar says, because she's talking about, oh, man, something with a V. Oh, it was the voice. She was like, yes. I just had this voice. And Dagbar says, well, he definitely likes something about you that starts with a V. Your pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Probably my favorite line of the episode. Yep. Um, so, but what's funny is the friends are kind of supportive. They're understanding. Do you guys get this? Do you feel like this is something that's pretty universally true, that you're a different version of yourself when you first start dating someone? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You're putting oh, on a yes. show. You're... You know your your best self. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're all dressed up. You do your hair. You do your makeup. You look great. Do you feel like you go the full Tamara Brown right from the start? And you didn't <laughs> react right away, so. No, I think I'm myself when I first start dating somebody. But I think in a party situation, mm-hmm. I am very much different. Like mm-hmm. yeah. that's when I'm like trying to be pleasant and upbeat and not my normal <laughs> low energy self that's right. just wants to like you know uh, do you, yeah. you want to it. it yeah like I, I can you know like uh, in talking to new people I can totally relate to the like being your the, the heightened Hi, version of the yourself facade. but yeah the facade but, well, especially like, I mean we're all in the industry yeah. it's necessary right like you're yeah, meeting people your, and like yeah, you've got it project a version of yourself that's not necessarily who you are. Yeah. And I do like by the end of the episode, I know I'm jumping ahead, but no, how okay. she's so exhausted. She's yeah. just like, I can't do the voice yeah. anymore. And maybe that's kind of like how we are when we're just like, I can't put on a show anymore. Yeah. Like, it's too much. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's relatable. This was yeah. to me the most probably for me relatable episode so far. Very I'm just true. like, everyone can relate to like the going to a party, meeting people and just kind of like having to be on. Her version of on is just so funny. <laughs> Um, so then we jump into the past and we meet this character, Karen Grisha, who's friends with Susan and she's a real estate agent. Oh, is it Grisha? It's I not think, the exact I same thought name. it was Grisham, okay. but then later when we're in her office, I think it's Grisha. Or unless it was just misspelled on the wall. It's oh, hard for no. me to sometimes sure know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, we're seeing her on this show she's doing a voice for. She goes, it's two very, you know, reasonable topics, Bill Cosby and SeaWorld. (laughs) (laughs) Such a funny joke. Um, And she goes in and she does this voice. And, um, gosh, this was funny. She's um, doing the voice and she's playing this whale and she's banging on the wall and she says, freedom is a burden, Bill Cosby, let me in. (laughs) Were you guys okay with this joke? Speaking of rules of comedy, did you guys think this was a fine joke for Lady Dynamite to tackle? Yeah. So I was fine with it too. Yeah. Yeah. I just know, like Judd Apatow, for example. I know, like this isn't. Don't joke about Bill Cosby. It's like a rule. Really? That he, yeah. Isn't that funny? Wow. I heard he was interviewed on Mark Maron's podcast. I like, think a woman can joke. I think a woman can joke about Bill Cosby. Right. I think has a little bit. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was yeah. funny. Did I say no? I, I didn't think it was funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought I 
really liked the way this was handled. It was nuanced. A show this smart is allowed to do that, is what mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. If Big Bang Theory is trying to, you know, make these kind of jokes. Right. That's exactly it. Like, it, that's how uh, it gets, you know, it just gets so nuanced on what's, what is appropriate and what is not because it has to be handled very well. It has, you know, any, you can say anything as long as it's done the right way because right. too often you see it done at an open mic, especially the wrong way, right. you know, where it's just offensive for the sake of shock value mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. the bottom of the barrel type comedy. So, right. yeah. Um, so then we go to this virtual reality scene where like they're like looking at these condos. Do you guys have yeah. any idea what this was? <laughs> I was so legitimately confused. confused. Yeah. This was well because I thought when we were going into it it was a cartoon and so I was like okay we're going into one of those like lamb scenes you know right, a, a right. jarring scene mm -hmm. a jarring moment and so I'm like following and I'm like okay I'm prepared for this let's yeah. go and then all of a sudden they throw me off and they're like in virtual reality glasses and I was like Wait, it wasn't even real. It was virtual reality. Yeah. But I know. I'm glad it was. I'm I know. It, it was yeah. good. It was good in that sense. But yeah, it was definitely different and it caught me off guard like a couple times, like twice. So I still don't understand why, though. I don't I know. I wonder so if it was crazy. just because they were talking about money and time and all that stuff. I don't know if it was something to show like, let's put on the glasses, you know. Or that she's such a like high-end real estate agent maybe. that that's the way that they show houses in her ah, market. That yeah. could be something. Yeah. Maybe. I don't, yeah. It's this world so she's in. I don't know. It was weird, though. It was funny. Mm -hmm. Like, it made me laugh, but I was kind of yeah. like, why? What? Anyway, yeah. so it's this cool. is kind of the, the B stories. She's real estate, like, shopping, and this is kind of tracking the source. Again, when we go into the past version of Maria, it seems like we're learning the source of all of her demons. And it's this real estate issue where Susan is really pushing her to get a house. And Susan is just getting me. I wonder if Susan's just going to get more awful by the episode. Yeah. Pretty terrible. She's, she's she just she went from being just like slightly aggressive in the first two to like now she's just yeah she's really being scary. Yeah, very mean. Um, but anyway, she finally gets this house, and Susan is so offended because Susan's like, "You could have lived with me. Why did you get this house?" Maria's like, "Well, you you told me to get this house." Right. And we're starting to see the source of Maria's. Ultimately, this episode's about people-pleasing, right? It's about yes. trying to be someone else for someone else. Um, and so we kind of see the source of it, and we learn, you know, why Maria is the way she is. Um, so then we're back, and Maria's actually doing stand-up in the character. Now, her name is Diane Winterbottom Monte, Connecticut. <laughs> I just love they throw the word Connecticut in her name. Um, and her stand-up is just terrible. But they love it. They love it in the audience, because it's this crowd that loves this humor. I, got, I, I, I thought that the crowd was watching Maria Bamford like they knew who she was you and, so. and was and he I thought he, um Jack was laughing at this character and he oh. thought the character was hilarious but I thought the crowd got they what she in. was doing yeah they were watching okay. like a regular Maria Bamford set that was just my take oh. on it I don't know if that's what yeah. they were doing I like your take more I think yeah. it's a smarter take um <laughs> that's true I mean you're the smartest person on the show <laughs> <laughs> um so, so this is somebody I, said it <laughs> Not true. Um, I feel really awful about mixing up Baron and Byron's names earlier. You know what? That this is horrible. a live show, guys. I, we have an hour. Just forgive us. Yeah. Um, anyway, so um, so I love your take. So everyone's watching Maria Bamford. She's actually doing the character of Diane. They're loving it. But Brandon Routh's character is only Jack Trooper is only responding to the comedy of just the worst version of who she is. Um, and then Patton Oswalt shows back up. We have this whole joke about the C word. Mm -hmm. I thought this was hilarious. Did you guys like this? Yes. This was probably the funniest joke to me in the episode. <laughs> it was, I was caught off guard for a second and then I was like, what? And then the next scene, 
I thought was really funny because she was like, everybody brings up Patton, you know, I know. when we're getting intimate. And then she does a little <laughs> joke about, um, what did she say? Um, she, oh, she's like, I can't stop thinking about Patton. Patting your bum with my tongue, you know? And it's just like, <laughs> that, I just died. Oh so. my gosh, that was so funny. Um, but then, it's just, it's fun to watch this character of a non-comic. I think com- comedians love to explore the, the non-comic who just doesn't get humor at mm-hmm. all. And True. he's like, just doesn't understand the idea that like, if you're close to someone, you can throw out an inappropriate word, but because you're doing that in the context, it's not, it's an in-joke. <laughs> yeah. He just doesn't get the Understanding in-joke. irony right. is very, it's it's hard. In fairness to a person like, a, a person in real life like Jack Tripper, understanding irony is difficult. Yeah. It's hard to know when somebody is being ironic unless you know that person very well. Right. So, um, <laughs> You know, like, I can understand both sides. Yeah. On one hand, and it's frustrating as a comedian to be like, how do you not get when it's appropriate to say this and when it's not? But then on the other hand, it's like, when you're not around people who are constantly being ironic in every single thing that they're saying, right. it's, it's mm-hmm. hard to and pick it's up the, on. It's a flip side where sometimes we get frustrated when people don't understand irony, but then normal people get frustrated when comics are completely inappropriate yeah. and what should be right. normal situations. Right. Yeah. <laughs> true, true, true. So it's fun to have this explored. Anyway, um... This C-word joke comes back a couple times in what I thought was just such a funny way, but I mean, Maria goes down on him. <laughs> I, I was, that's what shocked me. I, I was know. like, oh, they're showing her going, <laughs> I know. right. Yeah. Just her just her head dipping down. I was like, whoa, I'm not used to seeing that. I TV. know, especially, and it's a very courageous thing for her to do because it's her show. Yeah. Um, yeah. It becomes thematic. It comes back and we kind of understand why she's doing this. But then we see these photos. Did you guys catch <laughs> what this? What the heck was that? Yeah. The first one of just like the, this Indian chief. They're like paintings on the wall. Yeah, it, it must have just been that's his I art. I didn't notice that. What was like it? when the music came on, she was going down. It's like it peered over to a painting and then it went to another one. <laughs> oh. So the first like, painting, and I guess it's his art, like it speaks to his character. It's this like Indian chief, oh, I think, man. getting a blowjob from a Native American. And then we cut, and it's a bear getting a blowjob from the same Indian chief, simultaneously <laughs> giving hand jobs to two other people. I right. was like, a little yeah. shocked by this. Yeah, but it was funny. I mean, it, if it's funny, <laughs> I, I love it. But did it that. make sense? It was like, right. was it just I think like it a... was. It was just this joke. I think it was just a heightening of a joke. But to me, it was just like this is his place. This is his art. Like, do you guys watch Parks and Recreation at all? Yeah. It's like yeah. they're really obtuse, kind of gross portrayals of Pawnee history. You know what I mean? Yep. Just like a lack of I subtlety. See. That's I how see. I. That's what it was to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we're back in the office and we talk about the show Lock Up Abroad, <laughs> which I love oh, this show. Awesome. So awesome funny. title. Such a funny title. And it's just this meditation on these horrifically misogynistic shows. We're back to this theme. And Maria's like, I don't know if I want to be on a show where I'm a host where we're locking up women, forcing them to confront the patriarchs in their lives. <laughs> um, but he's really pushing her to do it. So he's like, okay, I'm going to be a people pleaser. I'll just do it. We also learn about Bruce's living situation. He's yeah. living in this like kind of gay fraternity house. Can you guys God. help me out here? What was this? Poor yeah, I mean, I guess because he, he's not, his wife is with somebody else. And so he's, <laughs> right, like had to find a new place to live. And so he's living in the dorms and being hazed <laughs> by these frat boys. I just kind meta of have beta. a feeling, meta beta, that's what it was. Yeah, what a, I love, I think what they're saying is he's this, he's not alpha, he's beta. And it's this yeah. meta joke. Such a smart, 
quadruply layered joke here. Yes. I just think Bruce is going to get slowly pushed out of the closet all season. But Really? Ah. Okay. I Wait, think so. But flashback to that scene where they're at the party uh-huh. and Joanna Cassidy, you know who that actress is, she was making out with that guy on the couch yeah. and he's sitting there and Maria goes up to him and he's like, says he's like channeling what the guy was wearing yeah. because he was wearing, what was that about? I think it was just like, so she is, I think he's believing that she still likes him because she notices he's always, he notices she's always drawn to people who wear the same clothes. Oh. Really, I think someone's probably just staying over at her house and borrowing her husband's clothes. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just, this whole Bruce development's really funny and fun to me. It might just be yeah. that he's such a soft guy that he people are always taking advantage of him, but it kind of like this, this weird homoerotic thing. I don't know. We'll right. See. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't strike, I, that, it didn't strike me that way, yeah. but uh, that's that could be. I'm we'll have to see. To see how, that's, yeah. It's a little Tobias thing I'm getting, yeah. and it's, I feel like it's a character Mitchell Hurwitz really likes to explore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, we flash back to Duluth. This was so much fun. So sad, pathetic, and funny. You know yes. what? Also, like in um, uh, Rachel Bloom's show, um, uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah. The boss who goes, he turns out to be, he comes out of the closet in the mid. It's you know, it's I very similar to that. that. Show. Oh, okay. I need to because I love <laughs> comedy. Spoiler. Like, I know comedy music's one of my favorite thing. I can't believe I haven't watched that show yet, but I will. Um, anyway, it's just a very same in the same vein of of the character. The character of, of um. Yeah, the yeah. Awesome. Noted. I'm excited. I'm really excited to watch. I'm sure I'll binge it like in one day starting in the summer. But yeah. anyway, we flash back to Duluth and this is so relatable. Just the unfunny prick who makes everyone laugh and just tortures <laughs> comedy people. This yeah. was you immediately saying this was very relatable to you. And poor Maria, she's at her worst, and people are like, come on, do comedy, monkey, like, you know, clap for us. It's just like, just because you're a comedian doesn't mean you can just do it on the spot. It's an act, it's an art. Right. You it's a I mean? written act. But then also, too, like, um, I mean, there are definitely comedians that are just like, what's going on, guys? Like, wow, I'm wacky. <laughs> right. But, like, yeah. a large majority of comedians aren't like that. Right. They're like, I'm very, like, low energy. And when I start a new job, I'm, I just act like a quiet, normal person. Right. So, like, all the time people are like, you're a comedian? Oh, I would never have guessed that you're a comedian. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm okay. All I right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it doesn't, I don't have to... Uh, take a shit on the floor to show you that I'm like, to be <laughs> funny. Yeah. Right. Yeah, this was really smart. And we see her getting sadder and sadder because her comedy's not working. I did get flashbacks to the 30 Rock episode where um, uh, Jack, Don- no, um, man, the page. Kenneth the Page is making everyone laugh. And Tracy Morgan is so jealous. <laughs> Tracy Jordan is so jealous. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Maria's just at her worst, and her mom comes in and says, Don't look to other people for approval, get it from yourself. She says, Mom, that's literally what a stand-up is. I've spent my whole life seeking approval from others. Can you guys <laughs> yeah. relate to this? I, I mean, we're kind of all aspiring performers, right? Can you guys relate to this of you don't want to seek approval from other people, but your success is literally mitigated on trying to get approval, get approval from other people? From other pe- Isn't that like a double-edged sword or something? <laughs> yeah, completely, right? Yeah. Yes, for sure. And Well, and it's interesting, you know, that her mother comes in and says that, and she's just like... I need approval and that's how I get my audience and everything and she's just like getting more down on herself and stuff but yeah I mean you can totally see it mm-hmm. I think it's as so a theme sad. and it's a people pleaser theme of right. the whole show so totally. we definitely get that you know just tied in even more with the theme and it's a nice explanation of why so many performers and artists have these kind of dark internal demons because yeah. their job their success is completely correlated on what people think of them 
this is fun. I like these Duluth storylines are kind of serious in a way that I think mm-hmm. really kind of balances the show. Yeah. Um, kind of makes me sad. I find myself yeah. actually getting sad when I'm mm-hmm. on it. might be the yeah, saturation. I enjoy that. I know. I, I like it. <laughs> the saturation. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's true. But it, I enjoy it too, Tamara, for sure. Um, finally, f- f- um, go back into the present. And Marie is like, you know what? I'm going to handle this. I've got to talk to um, Jack Tripper about this stuff. And so she brings it up. And he's talking. This was my favorite line. Um, I'm trying to figure out. I've got some notes here. Just give me guys a sec. Oh, yeah, yeah. So she's talking and she goes, it's not important to get my needs met. It's important to get the needs met of other pe- the person who I'm into. She said, nobody's periscoping right now, which I love that joke. That's <laughs> such a, I hate periscoping. I think it's gross, but that's just me. If you guys periscope, it's awesome. Anyway. <laughs> she's um, like, we're all, we're all too old. I know. <laughs> You're the only millennials. Is this the, are you talking about the brunch they were all at? Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're there. Yeah. Um, and so he's talking about it, and he goes, yeah, like he's like my best friend. Like, that guy's my cunt. <laughs> it's like, how he thinks he's supposed to use the word. Sorry, I just said the C word. I know. I don't know if I'm allowed to use it or not. Whatever. Um, then we flash back to her on this show. This is the epitome of her breaking her people-pleasing habits. She's on this show called Locked Up Abroad. What did you guys think of this scene of her on the show? Uh, yeah, go ahead. I know oh, I'm jumping quick. It's her. She's yeah. there's a woman literally locked in a box, right? <laughs> yes, and well, and so she does the first intro of it, and then she goes. She just kind of stops. She turns around and she's just like, I don't know exactly what she says, but she's just like, I'm tired of doing the voice, and yeah. you know, she was tired of being Diane, and she was like, did not take to the lock up abroad and everything. She like did it, but she was exhausted of doing it. So mm-hmm. it's you know kind of interesting as you know we saw her character trying to people please so much and then she's just like I've reached my point yeah so and they're like but do the Diane voice so finally we have this conversation this conversation that needed to happen Marie's kind of learned she can't be on all the time so she's trying to talk to him and she's like you know it's important that we have a sense of humor so his reaction to that is he lets out a 30 second fart (laughs) do you guys (laughs) like fart humor I do I love it's it too. Good, yeah. This was so funny to me. This is a great scene because she laughs finally. And she's like, okay, he finally gets it. He's like, no, what's so funny? She's like, well, you just farted for 30 seconds right. straight. Being he's yourself. Like, he's like, no, I just had to let it out. And this was just something that was inside of me. So this is her realization. This is her breaking point. And she goes, I need someone who giggles at my fluff trumpets. Yes, I love fluff trumpets. <laughs> and you deserve someone who takes your trump- fluff trumpets very seriously. And that's, of course, the motto of this show. So he's about to leave and we think she's learned her lesson, but she f- goes back into Diane one more time. Yep. And so I love, the show never wraps it up in a clean bow. We always see, Maria's never gonna totally learn. The anxiety-ridden, kind of broken Maria that we see is always gonna be there a little bit. So. That's true, I like that about her, that she's always, like that she stays broken in uh-huh. a sense. Like she learns a little bit, but she she stays broken because a lot of the shows and sitcoms that we see, it's like they tie a bow on it, they have a theme, um, they, everybody learns from their mistakes, and then mm-hmm. you know we move on to the next thing but with Maria she's like hi I realize that I'm tired and I can't please everyone but maybe I'll still do it a little bit or I can't completely break it you know I think that's the human part and the relatable part that we get with Maria as well definitely well said any other thought we gotta move quick um but any other thoughts on this episode before we wrap I liked seeing Jackie Cation and the mm-hmm. scene with like all the comedians at her party. I like the the little cameos. Yeah, always enjoying the cameos. Enjoying the cameos so much, um, and I just I gotta give props to Brandon Routh again. I want to see more of him. He's a subtle comic actor. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, we'll do really really quick. I know it's hard to predict for this show, but we can do some really really quick predictions. Your After Buzz TV predictions. So as I mentioned, I think we're gonna maybe be see this potential kind of homoerotic side of Bruce Van Backrek, but I don't know. 
that's one thing I'm thinking. I dig that prediction. I hope that happens. Yeah, definitely. Any thoughts from you? Um, I don't know if I have a prediction. I don't have a prediction. <laughs> oh, I think I want to predict more with Susan. I think we mm-hmm. might see a breaking point. I hope. Coming. I do too. She's terrible. <laughs> yes. She's getting to that intolerable state. So yeah. I'm ready to see that. Yeah, I see Maria getting tired of some of these bad friends she has around. And, yeah. I, and I can't wait to see Maria stand up for herself mm-hmm. and be her true self. And I hope to see more of that. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's... Oh, we just have to do the final jokes from this episode. Any jokes that you guys like for episode two? Uh, I liked one we'll of the quick. lines. <laughs> the One of the lines. Um, you don't want to be the least murdery house in the most murdery street. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that was great. that's a good one. I think, oh man, Kelsey's got a physical. I'm very impressed by your oh, Maria, Is this relatable? I brought your tampons. You forgot <laughs> your tampons. What's your tampons? <laughs> Any jokes from episode two or episode four for you two? I didn't write it down, but what was the very last thing with when she's when she and Jack part ways and she's like, do you want to just go basically like do you want to just go on give each other head one more time but what is but what what about it it was like oral right? tell us in the comments guys yeah or I that, guess we could just go it's that, on last line. <laughs> that last line was I remember it was funny but I didn't write it down alright well we're going over guys we gotta wrap but thank you so much for tuning in again guys we're having a blast on this yes, panel um, again this is episodes 3 and 4 tune in at 7pm PST next week for episodes 5 and 6 if anyone's watching with us please comment below let us know what you think tell us what you agree with what you don't agree with 5 stars on iTunes all that we love doing this with you um, speaking uh, of doing it with us oh I just heard it <laughs> let's just yeah Magical. who knows what's gonna happen next episode Anyway, you guys can follow me on Twitter if you want to engage in conversation about this show. So much to talk about. You guys can find me on Twitter at Jeffrey C. Graham. That's my name, Jeffrey C. Graham. Find me on Twitter at Brown Tamara. Find me at Kels Hightower. Find me at Lisa Mason Lee. All right, I think that's it. Thanks again, guys, so much for tuning in. We'll see you in seven days. (laughs) From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.